What's going on, Cones? How is everybody doing? Merry Christmas. We're doing a Christmas show, ladies and gentlemen. I know what you're going to say. Yes, and you'd be right. You'd be right if you said that that's a little late for that, Tommy. But hey, here we are. This is the situation. It's Christmas Eve right now. You're going to get this. I hope you are hearing it before Christmas or at least by the end of Christmas Day. You know what? This might be a good way, Christmas morning, while you got your uh, accoutrements happening, maybe some Christmas music or maybe a little of both, maybe some Christmas music and the Always Be Booked Cruise podcast. We're going to play some Christmas music. Very, very little. I know sometimes you guys get fickle when I start getting uh, crowbarring too much music into the show. But anyway, this episode, this Christmas episode of the Always Be Booked Cruise podcast is going to involve the cryptocurrency ship. It's going to involve the Carnival Mardi Gras. It's going to involve... Uh, all sorts of things. We're going to have your emails as well. And the Always Be Booked Cruise podcast for this week is back. Let's start the show. Hey, yo, all aboard and welcome. It's about to be on. Grab a couple of cones because we about to be gone to the Caribbean. Seven days and eight nights. Got the crew coming heavy, but we all packing light. Yeah, we always be booked. We got our drinks in the sky. From New York City to the USBI. Is that a full margarita, man? Finish it up. Because we about to run the beer like Forrest Gump. Finding pockets on the Lido. She ain't got to be a tent because we did the things and we'll do them again. Tonight's the white party, but we blacking it out because we got the drink packed. And we're maxing it out Everybody come on I said sound that horn Cause we gotta get away To where the boat leaves from Yeah All aboard and welcome ladies and gentlemen To the Always Be Booked Cruisecast Show Coming to you not quite live From Hewlett, Long Island, New York So good to have you I uh, hope everything is done. Hope your Christmas shopping is in the rear view. I hope you've been to the grocery store. I know you could do some of the prep. You know, everybody, it's been, it's it not been, it's always been a situation of some people take Christmas Eve more seriously than Christmas Day. I do know that. Uh, I know there's a lot of traditions, different types of scenarios. You know, you have Hanukkah as well. You know, it's just the holiday time of year. And, you know, the, everybody is talking about how this year, you know, the Grinch is everywhere. It's like, oh, the holidays don't seem like the holidays. Well, we know that, guys. We know that. We know that. Why, why focus on it? Why dwell on it? We know we have this looming thing over us. But we've had the looming thing kind of like over over our heads for so long. And it's... It's nice to get a little something like a Christmas type of a scenario or like a holiday type of scenario where you can kind of forget about that for a little while. And that's what I'm choosing to do. I'm definitely rocking the Christmas music. I'm definitely looking forward to hanging out with some family and uh, we're going to enjoy it. It's going to be a good time. So this is what it is, guys. Let's just manage with what we have in front of us. And, you know, we're going to get some good food. We'll play some. Listen, in life, most things, cruising, life, anything. It's going to be what you make of it, right? It's going to be what you make of it. If you if you tell yourself and you decide in your heart that this is going to be a great holiday, then that's what it's going to be. And focus on the good. Again, you know, without trying to be overly cheesy, I've tried to live by the whole kind of, you know, take away the expectations and replace that with appreciation. 
And that's all we really, really, really can do. We're going to talk about some crew stuff. I do miss Tanya. Where is Tanya? She's not here. I did want to, like I said, every once in a while, throw in an always be booked episode. Now, here's a scenario you got to pay attention to. I'm two days late on this, okay? This is what it is. This is what I'm trying to tell you guys. Consistency is important, and I do know that. But the only thing, okay, the only thing that kept me from being consistent is because there's just so much prep that has to go into these Always Be Both Cruise podcasts. When Tanya's coming over, I know she's going to do some of the heavy lifting. I know we can kind of chat. We can tangent. We can not tangent. We can banter. We can ramble. Uh, We're going to have a prepped show. But we can kind of go off on our own little things. And that creates a scenario where prep is not of a high premium. With the Always Be Booked Cruise podcast, which I've come to know and love, um, I've uh, I, I, you realize you have to, I'm, it's all me out here. I'm just, I'm all alone out here. Just like, uh, what's the guy in Step Brothers when he was in the drums? You know what I mean? He's just all alone up on that stage. I got no Tanya to bounce stuff, stuff off of. And I have to come with the information. You know, the Patreon marathon you guys listen to, and you know that's freestyled, and that is from the heart. That is uh, from, I guess, raw, just raw stuff that I'm feeling. You're getting a microscope into my heart for those, but for these, I want to give you some value. I want to give you some cruise information, and I know that that's what you guys, this is this very show, the show that I'm doing right now is you know whatever i am whatever this entity is is, is that uh, that is always be booked it's because of this show right here so i want to give it it's just due so i'll just start off you know so i have been working uh you know it's 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 coming along we don't talk much about the project because again like i said it just hasn't been a uh it's just been a little bit of a mystery as to when we're actually going to open and i said on the uh, i think i said on the patreon that we we we're excited. I'm excited. We're excited because there is a sign up. That was a big thing, a, a, a big step in the direction of opening as things get real. Because I do feel as though I mentioned like some sort of complacency sets in. You have this project that you know is going to be big and you're excited for, but you don't know when the right day to open it is, right? Do you wait for the spring? Do you do it in December? We miss November. So should we wait till January? It's all over the map. And when that happens, no matter what, no matter how you, uh, what the expectations or excited excitement is for the project, you can be like a little um, complacent. Complacency can set in. I'm a firm believer in you have to set a date and you have to put that pressure on yourself. Listen, here's our date. We made these plans, almost like a burn the boats type scenario. If you're not familiar, check it out. I think most of you are burning the boats. You have to set that date and you have to burn the boats. Put yourself in that corner so that this is the day you have to open. You book parties, you know what I mean? Book a big party for that day because you have you can't cancel the party. Uh set up marketing for that for that week, that opening week. You spend the money, you can't really change it. The availability can't necessarily be altered. You know, so that's what it is. And I think that's what we have right now. February 4th, 2021 is the day that the Ainsworth is going to be open. And I'm excited to have when you guys come into New York City, probably down the road, when we start looking at better days and greener pastures. I know that's it, but I know some of you guys are going to come to New York and you guys are going to take that little 35-minute train ride 
from Penn Station, and you're going to come see me in the Ainsworth. If not, I'll head up there to see you. But I think you're going to like this place. The place has come, it's come out really, really nice, and I'm really, really pumped to get going. As you may or may not have known, I did book a cruise. Yes, against my will. Uh, not against my will. I guess against the... I guess my previous judgment, you know what I mean? I have my good days and my bad days just like everybody else. And on some of those bad days, I have said I'm not booking any cruises. I'm not booking any cruises until I know that this thing is going to get better, that I know we're going to be in a better situation. And what's going to be the measure of that? We already talked about that. We know the mantra on this show is to always be booked, right? We try to be as booked as often as possible. And uh, we just think that that kind of levels us up. From uh, as human beings, whether we're working on our fitness, whether we're just having those endorphins from knowing that we're booked, for knowing that we can go on the website and look up the show times and look up the dining and look up uh, all the things that are surrounding it, looking up shore excursions. When you're booked, life is better. So I've resubscribed to that. Uh, I've taken in the information. This is not a blind booking either. This is a bucket list thing. It's like you're sailing on the oasis of the seas out of New York City. So that's something to be excited about, in my opinion, and I absolutely am. And I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be almost September. There's vaccines that are out, and now I don't know we're going to all have the vaccine by then. I don't know if they're going to require you to take the vaccine. I'm not going to fuss about the vaccine. Uh, I'm not looking to make it political, but I probably would take the vaccine. Either way, here you know there. Oasis of the Seas, out of New York City. Seven days, decent price. I got a neighborhood facing, a central park to be specific, facing balcony. My pricing is, uh, I got lower pricing than I thought. It's about $1,800. i am going to get commission on that. So uh, it's going to be about $1,650 for the room. And uh, yeah, then it's just going to be the drink package on top of that. So I couldn't be more excited about that. I'm pumped up. I Hopefully it will sail. But either way, I just do have a certain level of a peace of mind knowing that I am booked. And big shout out to Carol. Carol is also booked listener and uh, super cone and just total, total, I guess, uh, loyal, loyal listener and friend. Carol is booked on that as well. Nicole said she's probably going. Uh, Who else? We'll see who else ends up going. But either way, it's always good, man. It's always good just to leave, be able to leave from New York City, go right in, and then just hop on that cruise ship. And, you know, whatever the weather conditions are, you know you're going to be down south. Now, I said the itinerary is South Florida. I mean, uh, Central Florida. It's uh, Orlando, whatever you want to call it, Port Canaveral. And then it's also uh, Coco Cay, perfect day at Coco Cay, and Nassau. Now, a lot of people would perceive that as sort of a weak itinerary overall. And the people who, I, I guess, pre-refurbishment of Coco Cay, you would say maybe correct. But A, not for me. Orlando is a place where I could find plenty to do. Have some friends there. I could really enjoy myself in Orlando. I do not have to go to the theme park. I can go to that, uh, you know, that I drive area um, where 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 they have the, uh, you know, the tin roof and the uh, sugar factory, and have some fun there. I could also maybe do a little well, in in that whole area, Doctor Phillips area. This this trouble we couldn't get into there. Also, Nassau. You guys know how I feel about Nassau, despite a lot of people being over Nassau. And not really enjoying Nassau. I happen to love Nassau. I think there's so much to do. 
You just got to sink your teeth into it. It's like this Christmas holiday. No, I'm not going to lie because there's some ports out there that do that that really are kind of lackluster. Now, I say that with reservation as well because I think that if you get your, if you if you make it a point to sink your teeth into a particular port, you're going to find something you want to do there. There's a lot to do. I was watching a show on La Romana the other day, and I would have said, you know what? That's the exception. All ports are good. You could find something to do at all ports. La Romana, that might be the exception, some places like that. But no, then you look into it a little bit, and there's plenty to do. I know some people who absolutely love Honduras. You know what I mean? And I, I, I've been, I've kind of slept on Honduras, but there's so much to do there. You really, I think sometimes we have become complacent and we want fun. We want experiences uh, to just find us. You know what I mean? There's so much to do on these cruise ships and there's so much hitting you right in the face on so many of these islands that it's like, you know, the ones that you really have to dig into, we get a little lazy, but there really, really is so much to do in so many of these places that we, if we just spend a little bit of time looking and digging in a little bit, we would find that to be true. But I am booked on this cruise. I'm hoping some of you guys consider taking the, it is uh, August 29th out of New York City. We can, you know, we can get into some trouble for the weekend. I believe it's Sunday to Sunday. Uh, and then we can just enjoy ourselves on this cruise, this wonderland of a ship. And like I said, I even said, I'm even going back on what I said. I wanted to get away from mega ships a little bit. I wanted to get on a Carnival Cruise Line ship. But dare I say, this Oasis ship out of New York City is just sort of like something I, I'm, I'm, I find myself being very, very excited about. So I am booked. And I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So's Carol. I have a bunch of other people that say they might be in. And I know not all of them are going to go. But let me know if you have any questions on that sailing or any other sailings. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. Speaking of Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com, your emails are always very, very important. So I would love to get some more emails coming in. Maybe off of this Always Be Booked cruise, cruise episode. This podcast, there will be Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. If there are any questions, any comments, anything you want to say regarding the show, I like, you know, I like the idea of maybe keeping it nice and polite, but I have no problem being made fun of or corrected or whatever in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a friendly, good spirited way. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. Let's have a back and forth. Let's have some fun. Um, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. And I guess I better at this time remind you in case you haven't, in case you forgot, I do have a Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash always be booked and you will get an extra show a day. It costs $5 a month, but that's pretty much it. $5 a month will get you an extra show every single day. We talk about cruising, but we also talk about other things. We go off the rails, a lot of alien talk, a lot of comedy talk, a lot of music talk, a lot of uh, bar restaurant talk and anything under the sun. But yes, cruising as well, travel in general. So check that out. Uh, www.patreon.com slash always be booked. All right. I saw an article the other day and um, I'm not even going to read the article. I'm not even going to give it really uh, too much publicity. I'm just saying I just uh, just the media will do anything to just throw you off your center. That's their thing. They're 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 competing for your attention. And when I saw this headline. I was just like, what are we even talking about here? What, what, what are we doing? What are we doing here? 
the cruise line is not expected to return to normalcy until the year 2030. Okay, this is what I got to read. 2030 is when the cruise lines are going. The cruise industry is going to come back to normal. Do, do you realize how stupid that is? Now, first of all, understand. Now, if it takes that long, it's forget it. It's not it, the cruise lines or the cruise industry will be nothing like what you've ever seen before. It'll be a whole total flip flop, flip around, turns turned on its head thing of what it was. So. I do agree they're in trouble. I do agree that there might be problems. But first of all, we don't know what's going to happen. You're talking nine years away. That's a different era. That's a different decade. There's so many things that could happen between now and then that have nothing to do with this pandemic. So whatever issues happen with the cruise industry... There could be three new pandemics before 2030 hits. So I want to know where this forecaster or whoever the hell came up with this. And clearly what they're trying to do is give you some real the sky is falling down type of journalism. They want you to see 2030. Let me click this. Don't tell me about what. I mean, the cruise lines can have had three different crises up until that time and have recovered three times and then hit 2030. So you're telling me that this pandemic, where there's a vaccine announced, where you know things are kind of, unless you know something that we don't know, unless you know now, yeah, there's talk about this. So will will the, will the thing not go away? Because you know people are talking about this new strain that's more contagious that's coming out of Europe. Uh, I'm hoping that type of news starts to die down. Who knows? Maybe it becomes more serious. Now the vaccine. Well, from what you hear, is still effective on this. There's not more. It's not that it's more deadly or more lethal. It's just more contagious. So we'll see how that happens. I know the Spanish flu. In uh, you know the the last major major pandemic we had, I do know that there were multiple strains that kind of came out of that, and it kind of set back the uh, recovery. But I'm not sure if that's what this is. I'm not sure if that will be contained or I'm not sure if that's going to create a whole new set of problems. We will have to stay tuned for that. But someone who could think they could have any idea of what's going to go on in 2025, 2028 and 2030. I mean, you're just talking silly, in my opinion. And I really don't have uh, I don't really have much time for you. But I will say this on the same token. I don't know how much more these cruise lines are, are going to be able to take. I mean, have you guys thought of that? Like this is. Uh, a, a billions and billions of dollar industry and these these guys are hanging on for dear life all of them you know we still have yet we have yet to this point heard of any major cruise line going under right now, a lot of them are smaller operations a lot of them are you know overseas types of things and like startups and whatever else we're going to talk about this cryptocurrency thing in just a few seconds but uh you know, a lot, of, a lot of these, a lot of these cruise lines are still hanging in there. Most of the cruise lines, the major cruise lines, are still up and afloat. And you just have to wonder how long is this going to be able to happen? Because I think, even when we were talking about maybe like a, let's just say a Norwegian or somebody possibly going bankrupt, even when we were having those conversations at the onset of this thing, I don't think any of us thought we would still be out of business going into and what it is going to be is march right so there's no sailings pretty much that are going to happen before march i don't think anybody planned for that so now everybody's jockeying and hustling and positioning and moving money around to try to stay afloat 
for a period of time, which ended up being way longer than we thought it would be, you know, I just have to say the pessimist in me is going to say that somebody's probably going to fall, right? I mean, at this point, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are saying that once the Biden administration takes office, there's going to be a new, I guess, uh, I guess a new take on what's supposed to happen. And the CDC, we already know they wanted to put the no sale order through March anyway. And that was blocked by the current administration. And we'll see if Biden's like, you know what? Listen, we know Biden is a lot more taking the coronavirus a lot more serious. We know that, uh, you know, it's not political, better or worse. You know, Biden is a lot more towards, you know, uh, taking precautions. We know Trump was a little bit more. Let's, you know, let's Let's go herd immunity. Let's see what we could do. Let's get past this thing while still keeping things normal. Biden is talking more about shutdown. So that would speak to the fact that there's a possibility that the CDC might be empowered to increase the length of the shutdown. And I think if there is another shutdown, if you get to March or whatever, or whenever it is, because up until March, it's pretty much voluntary. If we get to March and you're seeing a scenario where the CDC is going to extend it another three months, I think you're going to see somebody somebody go. There's going to be acquisitions. Somebody's going to fall off. Somebody's going to split up. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think you will see some of the major or at least one of the major cruise lines really feel the blow and maybe not to be able to continue as the cruise line as we know it. Um, you know, they have this other thing out there that the cruise lines are, are, are exploring the legality exploring the legality of make it making it mandatory for you to be vaccinated i don't know i don't know how you guys feel about that uh i, I me personally just give me a vaccine I, I again i'm not i understand if you don't want to take a vaccine if you're against a vaccine i have no problem with that i'm just talking about me personally if there's a vaccine available anything to kind of somewhat get us somewhat back to normal and back to what we know and love you know uh, I'm all in, you know, as an example, as I, as I drop this little song right here, before we get into the main topics for the show, uh, I'm going to drop this little song in here and it does give you a little bit of a bitter. I still love the song. I enjoy it, but it gives you a bittersweet feeling. Call on your angels. Come down to the city. Crowd around the big tree. All you strangers who know me Bring your compassion Your understanding Lord, how we need it On this New York City Christmas Yeah, I'm sending you a merry New York All right, I want to talk about this crypto cruise ship. I know, I know, I know it's been in the news. It's been out of the news, back in the news again. But I'm not going to lie. This is something that does fascinate me. And to be honest with you, I know I'm in the minority, but I happen to think, I happen to be in love with the idea. I happen to be in love with the idea. Now, this guy seems a little bit off the reservation, the guy who's running this whole thing. Uh, Well, his name is Chad. Wartowski. So the crypto ship, now it's a project that's now defunct and 
the ship has been sold to a scrapyard in India, and it's already on its way there. So there's the spoiler alert. But I still think it's worth kind of just thinking about the idea this guy had and the vision that he had. Granted, this guy clearly had some issues. There was some stuff going on. I mean, that's what often happens, though, doesn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it true that a lot of artists and a lot of crazy people uh, who end up doing some amazing things are looked at as absolutely insane at first? I mean, you can't really. You just see it happen all the time. You know, people the people who end up being super successful or innovators or artists or whatever, they were spoken about when their early years as like people who were kind of like maybe looked at as like absolutely crazy. You know what I mean? And I think this guy, I don't know, maybe he is absolutely crazy. Maybe this was a crazy idea that never should have been uh, re- really even entertained. But I'm not going to lie. I absolutely loved it. Now, from a business standpoint, I think it was flawed. Well, Tommy, uh, you don't say. It's It was flawed. The fact that maybe the ship is on its way to the scrapyard might have something to do with the fact that maybe it was flawed. But yeah, I want to talk about it, though. So the project is now defunct. Uh, the company that was going to partner up with this guy was called Ocean Builders. Now, I can't figure out, is this, this guy's company? Or did he partner up with them? I mean, either way, I think they were a lot of the muscle behind it who was going to be able to kind of maybe put a lot of these visions into place. But they build these sea pods and they're on the water pods that you can basically live in. Uh, after having a little bit of a trouble, you know, they're trying to find a place to put this cruise ship. What they needed was a government that was friendly to kind of entertain this idea because they had to fl- they have to flag the ship somewhere is the issue. And they had a lot of problems, but they ended up finding a, I guess, a sympathetic nation in Panama. Uh, like I said, this whole thing is led by a guy named Chad L. Wartowski. He grew up in Michigan. That's right, Michigan, a, 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 a U.S. American-born boy. He had visions of living in an underwater city. Now, after 20 years as a defense contractor, he set out to become the first person to live on a, a, a basically what is, I guess, what they call him as seasteads, like he's a seasteader. Now, this is a concept that involves creating floating homes for people who want to live on the water. Now, let's get back to the ship for a second. The crypto ship was called Satashi. This was a former Princess cruise ship originally and a former P&O cruise ship. It was originally the uh, Regal Princess, and then it ended up being the Pacific Dawn when it went over to P&O. It was built in 1991, so you're talking about a 29-year-old cruise ship. It was 70,000 gross tons. Well, for the moment right now, it still is 70,000 gross tons, but you know that's going to change as we know. Um, now it can max out at about 1,900 passengers when absolutely full. You know that's if all the all the berths are are uh, are occupied. It sails comfortably at about 15, 1,600 people. The goal was to make this ship a floating tech hub. See, now this is where they got me a little bit. This is where I was kind of into it. Content creators, entrepreneurs, they could all live here and be amongst a community of like-minded people. Now, how could that sound like a bad idea? idea? If you like living on the sea, if you like living on the water, you're in this ultra-creative environment. Yeah, a lot of people out there are minimalists, you know, and, and why not? If, you, if you're a minimalist and you don't have any problems living in a cruise ship cabin, but then you can step out of the cabin and enter a whole world, an environment friendly 
towards what you want to do. You know, maybe the type of content you create and the type of businesses you're starting up are different from the guy next door, but you can kind of vibe off that energy. So after that first wave of making it available, right, people putting down payments, some people getting excited, there was some lukewarm, and you would think they would they would, they would would have done their research, right? They would have put some feelers out there as to whether or not there is an actual market for this type of thing. But, you know, the, the numbers that came through didn't touch, you know, from the initial down payments, they didn't touch what they thought was going to be able to happen. So then you started hearing about the terms going down. You started hearing about temporary, uh, long-term rentals, short-term rentals, and then it became like a situation like, is this thing a condo or is it maybe even a little bit of a floating hotel or maybe a hybrid of both? So the, the wheels started to fall off when that started to happen. And uh, right there, you knew it was going to be a little bit of a nightmare from a sales standpoint because now these people were clearly hustling to fill these rooms. Aside from that, from the marketing and the sales standpoint, there were also legal obstacles too. They were trying to get permission to be considered a non-seagoing vessel. Now, that would have lessened their burden for insurance. You wouldn't have had to had this crazy policy. Of course, they'd still have to be insured, but they wouldn't have had to have had as much of an insurance policy as they would have under the current situation that they're in. Despite the fact that this ship had no plans on really moving anywhere, uh, since it did have an engine and it was flagged, it was going to have to be considered a seagoing vessel, which, yes, like I said, made it necessary to have a lot of insurance. Um, then there was some trouble in paradise from a relationship standpoint. You know, the fact that they couldn't get out of that whole uh, seagoing vessel type of scenario, they were going to need a lot of insurance. But before that, there was one more thing that they could try, and that's good old-fashioned lobbying. What is that? Obviously, it's kind of like a fancy legal word for paying people off. Kinda, And what they were trying to do was talk to the Panamanian government and get some what you might call special consideration to where they would be able to get some of this legislation out of the way, this pesky legislation out of the way. And a lot of times that can be done. But what do you need for that to happen? And that's money. And where were they going to get that money? Now, they weren't able to get that money. And what they said was that they got a lack of support. And I guess what they were counting on was getting some of that payoff slash lobbying money from the very people that they were supporting in the form of the cryptocurrency world and Bitcoin and people like that. They were hoping that they would cough up some money to be able to, I guess, uh, put you know, line the briefcases with $100 bills and give them to the Panamanian government. Now, when they didn't get that money from Bitcoin and such, they looked at it as like a little bit of a, uh, a kind of like a, a little bit of a stab in the back. You guys, we're trying to support you with this great project. We're using, you know, your currency on here. Help us out with some money so we can get this thing off the ground and pay off the government and the powers that be. Bitcoin didn't step up. Maybe they didn't have the money. Maybe they didn't want to spend it on that. Or maybe they just thought it was unethical. Who knows? But they did not get their money. So with a heavy heart, they made the difficult decision to sell the ship. And who'd they sell it to? They sell it. They sold it to a scrapyard in India. And as we have this, and at the time of this podcast, the ship is on its way there. So I do want to talk a little bit about this guy, though. This guy was out of his mind. This guy's name is Chad. Like I said, Chad Alwartowski. Elartowski. Now, 
this goes back away a little bit. His and his wife, Nadia, they wanted to make history by living on the open waters as seasteaders. And they were doing just that somewhere off the coast of Thailand. Now, did you guys know, I, I'm guessing you didn't, maybe you did, but there was this whole community that exists. Apparently, there's a group of people, they call themselves seasteaders, who want to make permanent residences at sea. And they want to live outside the limits of traditional government. And what they think, their whole philosophy, is that the oceans, humans, should settle in the ocean and eventually develop new countries out there. So obviously they feel like they are literally breaking ground, sort of like uh, new frontiers. I'm not making this up. These people think they're going to get little pods and set them up off the coast, you know, in international waters and be able to start new countries. And this couple was kind of like a de facto, I guess, uh, leadership position of, of this particular movement. I guess maybe think tiny homes. You know what I mean? If you're looking at a tiny home, Chad and Nadia were living in a pod. See, this thing sat atop the ocean, but it was on a concrete pillar that was built into the ground under the ocean. Now, the Thai government took some issue with this. They saw it as some type of hazard to shipping. Now, I don't know if they really looked at it as a hazard to shipping or they just didn't like it and that's what they blamed it on uh some sort of an obstruction maybe the 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 shipping container ships couldn't get around them or they had to change course or whatever it was just basically they didn't want to deal with this off the grid nonsense uh they were not trying to have it whatsoever one might argue that they could have just shut the whole thing down and said, don't do that. You know, they they didn't really, they, the Thai government, I guess they don't believe in warning shots too much because they charged the couple with high treason and then began hunting them down. So the couple was out of Dodge. They uh, The project was completely abandoned. And so the Thai, the Thai government pretty much, I guess they became less interested in where they were since they got what they wanted. They got them out of there. I guess it was a scare tactic that worked. Um, and now they resurfaced. They resurfaced in Panama trying to build this Bitcoin condo at sea. Now, apparently that went, that went awry as we just found out. Apparently they're still trying to build floating homes in Panama. They just can't use the cruise ship they hope for. And uh, I don't know about this guy. Hey, if nothing else, the guy's a visionary, right? But unfortunately, it sounds like Many people lost lots of money with this one. You cannot help it. You know, I heard Richard on Cruise Radio say it. I thought it. He said it. Um, he just kind of went by it, but I, I, he kind of glossed over it. But if you saw that documentary on Netflix, The Fire Festival, uh, it sounds a lot like that. You know what I mean? The thing is, listen, a lot of people are going to take some shots, right? A lot of times it goes awry, okay? Uh, when that happens... What you do kind of sets your legacy. A lot of people try things and fail, but you know what? They had great idea. But then if you try to kind of cover it up or get kind of like, um, I guess, I guess, you know, that's the difference. This guy seemed to have just screwed everybody by accident. No, no, no intentional uh, issues here. The guy did not have any malintent with this uh, cruise ship. Opposite with Fire Festival. The guy completely deceived people. You know, this is a lot like. Uh, Ben Ben Siegel, Bugsy Siegel, Bugsy Siegel basically laid laid down the foundation to build what we now know as Las Vegas. Obviously, he was a criminal, uh, organized crime member, but Vegas didn't really exist 
is much more more than a one horse town. And this guy had a vision to set up the biggest thing that would ever happen. The problem is he got way in over his head. He sold way more shares than actually existed. And you're messing with mobsters here. You know what I mean? These people will kill you. But you know, I don't know how many shares he had. Supposed to, it's not supposed to be more than a hundred shares. I think he had hundreds and hundreds of shares sold, delays, problems, uh, not being transparent with the mob. Obviously, you know what? He took a chance. Now, what happened? The whole night. So when Vegas, oh, this one hotel in Vegas opened, it was a, it was a, it was a rainstorm, and nobody showed up. Like it was a torrential downpour. So all these people knew that Bugsy was messing around. They knew he was screwing them over, but they were like, all right, well, let's see what's going on. You know, we know he's obviously playing us a little bit. Maybe the loss won't be as bad as we think. You know, well, let's just let it play out. So it did play out. It opened up. The grand opening was a huge disaster because of rain. What happened to Bugsy? He got hunted down and executed. But they shouldn't have executed him because what had happened was his vision ultimately did come true. Vegas did become a center of the world for gambling and just vacation and tourism in general. And he built it. He started it. Yes, he completely pulled off the biggest shit show in the world and it didn't get off to a great start. But he did build it. And if it wasn't for him, there would be no Vegas the way it is now. But he didn't do it the right way. And he didn't do it the right way with the wrong people. He got executed, killed, and murdered. By the way, I saw a picture the other day. And this is how you know you're a real uh, cruise person, right? And this is just, it was just, I couldn't explain the feeling that I had. And I wanted to know if you can relate to this at all. There was just a picture. So that shipyard, that scrapyard in, uh, where is it? Near Iran or whatever, wherever it is. There were all those, you know, when all those cruise ships, the carnivals and the Royal Caribbeans were getting scrapped and they went out there and they ran aground and, you know, they start getting pulled apart, uh, fantasy, all these other cruise ships. I saw a picture of maybe like four or five ships next to each other. Half of them had their bow ripped in half, uh, half like almost demolished, but still you could see what cruise ship they were. But like you could see like... I was so disturbed by that, and I hate the fact that I had this feeling. It was just weird. The exact I can the minute I saw that picture, I immediately could trace it back to what I related to, and I related it to those mobster documentaries. Right when you see on A and E or HBO, whatever the Netflix, they show those documentaries of the mobsters, and you really just want the nice, you want the information, you want the true crime, you want the drama, but then every once in a while, they'll throw a picture up there of some guy with his neck slit from ear to ear, or his legs are sticking up, by these black and white, kind of blurry, but still you could see what it is, the actual photos of these mobsters who, who ratted or some, who did the wrong thing and stole whatever they did wrong. There's these picture of the, pictures of them getting the Paul Castellano one outside of Sparks. All these dead human beings. Some of them disfigured, dismembered. That's what I thought. As embarrassing as that is, that's what I thought when I saw these half-demolished cruise ships. I'm going to post the picture. Maybe I make a meme out of it. Uh, we'll see. But it's just weird that my mind went there. And I was like, wow, yeah, man. You, 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 uh, you really are a cruise junkie. Let's do a verse of a Christmas song to get us in better spirits, why don't we?
Alright, so let's talk Carnival Mardi Gras. As we know, the ship has been delivered to Carnival. Uh, Carnival has accepted delivery of this ship. It fueled up in Rotterdam in the Netherlands, and it's going to make its way to Port Canaveral. So the first step was a virtual signing. That happened at the Meyer Turku shipyard where it was built. That's in Finland. As we know, this is by far the largest cruise ship Carnival has ever put into service. And just a few days ago, that was made official. Aside from all the features and innovations the ship will offer us passengers, this is the first Carnival ship that will be powered by LNG. And that is liquefied natural gas. Now, that's a way more efficient and environmentally friendly way to power a ship. So the ship is going to hold over 5,200 guests, and it's going to have a crew of around 2,000 people, give or take. After leaving the shipyard, the new mega ship made its way to Rotterdam for its first refueling. The ship is equipped with four medium-speed LNG engines that will run in port as well as at sea. And since the ship can run for two weeks after each refueling, all the refuelings are going to happen in Port Canaveral in Florida. Uh, the ship is going to make a stop before it makes its way to Port Canaveral, and then it's going to be in Barcelona. You know, flex a little bit, do a little photo ops. Uh, I'm sure that was supposed to be a port of call. That was supposed to be a lot of fun for the transatlantic, but obviously we know this is an empty ship right now. But nevertheless, it's going to make its way to Port Canaveral and uh, for hopefully an entry of service on April 24th of 2021. Fingers crossed. Now, there's lots of talk about why this ship is going to be so amazing. You've heard people talk about it. You've seen the videos. We've even talked about it on this show. We should say we've spoken about it on this show, but what are we going to do? Start correcting every grammatical mistake we make? Yeah, maybe we will. Who knows? So some of the features, one of the most, I uh, guess, what would you call it? Uh, from a publicity standpoint, the roller coaster. The Bolt Sea Coaster, it's going to be electrically powered and it's going to, you're going to have some sort of a control over how fast it goes and you're going to zip around the top of the cruise ship. I'm sure they've looked into that and I'm sure it's safe. You may have seen a couple of, uh, maybe a week or so ago, uh, the man in red with the beard took his first runs. That's right. Santa took the first inaugural ceremonious trip on the Bolt roller coaster. Santa, at least someone's doing it. You know, I wonder if, uh, I mean, it was probably not that much of a thrill ride for Santa, right? He's used to flying through the air on reindeer. Uh, there's also on this cruise ship a Grand Central Atrium. Now, we've said good and we've said bad. I want to experience this thing. Again, is it a jumping of the shark scenario? I say it all the time where Carnival has done such a great job with their atrium parties. And because they seem so impromptu, they seem to kind of happen out of nowhere. They seem to happen so organically, even though they're not. I think at one time they were. These things would pop up. And I feel like over the course of my career on Carnival, when I first started sailing on Carnival, I don't remember these atrium parties. I remember having them, but I don't remember them being this kind of like almost blissful sort of like performance by the cruise director and normally it's like the, the to, to sort of close out the cruise it just becomes this big huge multi-level celebration and yes i know they've always had them but i feel like they've gained in um i, I feel like they've they've gained in excitement over the years and I think this is the culmination of that to where carnival knows that they've gained an excitement over the years they actually 
turn this room into sort of a theater, okay, to make the party, to make it more conducive to have these parties. Now, the argument is like, okay, that's a smart move. Jump all over that, that, that trend. The argument against it is that, I don't know how much of these parties were kind of cool because you just kind of a lot of times stumbled upon them and didn't know they were happening. And it was kind of like a come as you are, stand where you are and just party. Now, if it's a little bit more set up and staged, is it going to be the same impromptu exciting thing? I'm going to say the same thing with the deck parties. You guys know how I feel about that. I know I used to go on carnival deck parties and it just used to feel like the the, the, the disco, whatever you want to call it, the nightclub was moved outside under the stars. And that's all it was, whether it was a DJ, whether it was live music, whatever it was. And then over the years, that turned into organized line dancing. Okay, family style organized line dancing. Every member of the entertainment staff got on top of the little thing that separates the pool with the deck so as to kind of be on sort of a stage and they explain to you how to do dances. And then there's a 10 minute lesson and then they play the song and everybody dances. It's no more meat market type stuff. You know what I mean? It's no more like, oh, let's dance. Who knows what song's coming? No, it's the deck parties have become organized dances and I do not like that at all. As you could tell, maybe I feel stronger about more strongly about that than I should, but it's how I feel. And then it's almost like 40 minutes of that, and then, okay, everybody, let's go. We're going to the quest, you know? But we'll see. Grand Central Atrium, I could, I, I'm so curious to see it. I want to experience it, but that's just, I guess, my little reservation about it, if you want to call it that. Summer Landing, now there's this. This is probably my favorite. The low aft pool that is closer to the waterline than the regular aft pool. And this will be available to everyone on board. You guys know they have this on the Vista class, the Havana, whatever you want to call it, the Havana pool deck. And it was on those on that class of ships. It was originally made public for everybody after 7 p.m., but then they took that away. So they made it completely only exclusive for uh, people who purchased Havana cabanas. Okay, so but it still was such a beautiful and pleasant place to be. I would find myself very jealous if I couldn't go there to me. Carnival got very smart and they reacted appropriately on this. They realized how many people liked it. And what they did was they made it so that anybody could go there and they disassociated it with the Havana Cabanas, which I think they moved the whole Havana experience somewhere else. And they did create an exclusive pool deck for Havana Cabana cabin members, but it is not that prime piece of real estate anymore on the ship. You'll have your infinity pool. You'll have your bar. You'll have your kind of chill out area, but it will be available to everybody. And it will have nothing to do with the Havana Cabana side of things. Also Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, that guy told me to eat something, I trust him. The guy looks like he knows his way around a meal or two. So Shaq's Big Chicken, that is a restaurant or a, uh, yeah, like a, like, a, like a fast casual style restaurant. I mean, chicken has become a big thing, more particularly fried chicken. Everybody's coming out with uh, fried chicken recipes and all these chicken and waffle type places are popping up. It's a little bit on the back end of the trend, but the trend is still out there. So, you know, everybody wants to know I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with it right now. 
one of my bosses feels and fancies himself an expert in the fried chicken department and the chicken and waffles department. He's opening up other places that are strictly chicken and waffles driven. So he fancies himself an expert in the field. Now, I've tried at least three to four or five different chicken recipes or products that have come out of our chicken. Most of them have been very, very tasty to me. But he sits there, he takes a bite and says, absolutely not acceptable. So now... He's got me calling all over the country looking for this particular type of breading, this proprietary type of chicken flour and breading that I have to find, and it's becoming very, very difficult to find this, but that's how you become great. You don't accept accept anything less than the absolute best. Another highly anticipated part of the ship is going to be the Excel Suites and Loft 19. You know, not necessarily my type of scenario, but this is Carnival's answer to the ship within a ship concept. You know, only access to these Excel Suites. I guess they have two ship within a ship concepts when you, if you want to include the Havana Cabanas. But this is high level at the top, Loft 19. I am guessing that's what it's called because it's on deck 19, said to be an absolutely gorgeous retreat at the very top of the ship another thing that i am excited about is the street eats now this is like a grab and go type of scenario they're going to have certain things like halal chicken and rice and you know a lot of uh things that i think you're going to find where proximal to the pool deck maybe possibly replacing the guy's burger and the blue iguana type scenarios which i think are they're, they're definitely still on the guy's burger will be in a different location on this cruise ship if i remember from when i was looking at the layouts guy's burger is going to be a floor up from the lido deck if i'm not mistaken and um I think that's cool because Carnival really, really, whether you're talking about the Pizza Pirate, whether you're talking about the Carnival Deli, whether you're talking about Guy's Burger, Blue Iguana Cantina for either breakfast or lunch, uh, it goes on and on. And now and now Big Chicken and now we're talking about Street Eats. Absolutely nobody does complimentary good food like carnival again you can make the argument that you know what i'd rather see more uh complimentary sit down options whatever the main dining room is going to take care of you a lot of people say carnival's main dining room has things left to be desired but it is a consistent product there's tons of variations and i could tell you right now that just let that be what it is because it is delicious but then you're talking about all these options to grab and go it's, it's to me, nobody touches Carnival when it comes to that. That's pretty much it. Also, like you said, the Havana Cabanas and the Havana Pool, they're going to be really, really nice. And there's also other, there's like this Jazz Lounge that's 21 and over, exclusive, that's like a little bit of a throwback to the jazz era. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of things on this cruise ship. Again, like I said, and some people have called me out on it. The problematic point from my standpoint and what i like to cruise by is yes maybe all these venues and all these different options to go and hang out after 10 11 o'clock at night could make for a situation that dilutes the energy for a person like me nonetheless i gotta see this cruise ship i gotta get on this cruise ship and i gotta check it out and i'm sure i'm gonna at least at the very bare minimum like i said any complaints that i have with the oasis or the horizon that does not take away from how impressed and how in love with this cruise ship i am but yes sometimes it will be the antithesis of what i am specifically looking for in a week-long cruise vacation 
but we will find out. Let's take it down to Miami, ladies and gentlemen. But before that, let's play a little Christmas hymn. Yeah, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not bow. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Our little Miami, South Florida talk real quick. Mayor Daniela Levine Cava extended the waiver for birth and harbor fees out of Port Miami through January of 2021. What am I talking about? You know, when cruise ships line up and they dock, they're supposed to have to pay to sit there. It's like paying rent. You got to pay rent where, you know, you're leaving. This is two separate business entities, the cruise line and the city of Miami, the county of Dade. And, you know, you're supposed to pay to be able to birth there. But because of the pandemic, that's the least they could do. I guess they're looking at Miami is so appreciative and so reliant on the cruise industry that they will gladly waive these rights. But it has to be put through, I guess, the I guess the legal procedures and the and, and the whole powers that be have to vote on this type of thing. So this is what's happening right now. Now, it's important to remember that this can be amended at any time if Miami-Dade County decides it to be appropriate. Mayor Levine praised the port and the cruise industry for being so resilient and remaining strong during these unprecedented times. Now, can we talk about that for a second? We talked earlier about whether or not these cruise ships and these cruise lines are going to be able to survive. How much longer will they be able to survive for? But that aside, let's take a step back and give them a round of applause and a show of appreciation for being able to take on what they're taking on right now. You see it all the time, whether it's Richard Fain, whether it's Arnold Donald, whether it's at a, uh, Del, uh, what's his name? Del Rio, Frank Del Rio. These guys are innovators and you could tell that they are really trying to move and shake, whether it's trying to uh, consolidate funds, wet layups to warm layups to cold layups to dry layups and whatever else, uh, moving ships around, uh, changing the way their funding structure is. Obviously, we are the uh, victims of it sometimes where they're trying to continuously book sailings that they may even know might not sail, but they got to stay afloat somehow. But then they make that up to us by giving us 125% cruise credit in many cases, uh, just borrowing money. Money, putting out bills and uh, you know uh, uh, just seeking more funding from different areas, hedging their bets, hedging their bets on their futures, selling off some ships, get, getting rid of some ships. The amount of moves that are being made are at a very complex level. And whatever they're doing, they're enabling themselves to be able to stay afloat during these, you want to call it, I mean, unprecedented isn't even the word. These are horrific times for this industry. And yes, I know they got a lot of money and I know there's a whole bunch of stuff out there that while they're, while they're bad for the environment or why they're, you know, they're the flags of convenience thing. We talk about that a lot, but they really, really do create a lot of jobs for a lot of Americans and a lot of people around the world. And they are busting their ass to try to stay afloat. And you have to just be, you have to admire, you have to admire the job they're doing by doing so. Um, think about how an, if an industry like that just stops, think about what it means for Miami. Miami is a great city, a cosmopolitan city. You don't think of it having to rely on cruise ships so much. It's got the tourism. It's got business in general. And, you know, even Miami will say, hold on, 
Did we even realize how important these cruise ships were to us? I think if they didn't, they sure as hell do now. Speaking of Miami and staying down in South Florida, there is this movement out there to be uh, to make this whole area a new epicenter of the world finance industry. Uh, companies like Goldman Sachs, they're breathing life into the idea, an idea that's been kind of decades, decades old, of making South Florida, the whole corridor, stretching from West Palm Beach to Miami, sort of like a little bit of a Wall Street South. This has been talked about for many years, but as we can see with all the drama surrounding 2020, many of the larger financial firms and even some of the smaller ones are ready to officially make the leap. Uh, Goldman Sachs Group and Elliott Management Corp are both planning on moving headquarters into the area. Is it finalized? Is it official? In some cases, yeah, they're definitely coming down. Many other small firms are looking to do the same, and the area is said to be on the verge of becoming to finance sort of in a way with Silicon Valley is to tech. Uh, You got to remember, there's a lot of things going on with South Florida. You don't hear them marketing this a lot. Now here, one thing that holds it, you know, for business purposes, some some, something about a non-compete clause, non-compete. We know what that is. If you separate, you have to sign something, say that you're not going to try to take their customers and go out on your own. That's a big obstacle. I guess a lot of the other, you know, New York doesn't really care as much about that. You know, if people kind of these people, a lot of these people bounce from company to company and uh, that's they don't, they don't really put a lot of thing on that. A lot, a lot of press um, precedence on that in Florida, non-compete, non-compete is big. Uh, so that's what, what may be some sort of they, there may have to be some wiggle room with that. The state of Florida may have to amend its non-compete clause, uh, I guess, language in some ways. Uh, but one thing that's working for Florida is that we all know there's no state tax in Florida. So that's going to get a lot of people down there. We all want cruising back SAP. But these types of moves can sort of lessen the blow for the local economy. And then with the eventual return of cruising, South Florida, Florida in general, might be, you know, the place to be. More so than it already is, period. End of story. Um. We'll talk about Royal Caribbean in a second, but let's do a verse here. We could use some more Christmas music. Come on, get in the spirit. Bang out two quick stories before we get into your email. Start with Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean announces a program that will give $40 million in support of travel agents. That's right. It's their Pay It Forward program, which is part of the second phase of its RCL Cares program, which is an overall plan to support travel advisors. As I said, $40 million will be available to qualified travel agents. Now, people can apply for three years of interest-free loans of up to $250,000 to keep their businesses afloat. We have a quote. 
We know our travel advisor friends are suffering too, and we will get through this tough period together, just as we always have, said Richard Fain, the boss over at Royal Caribbean, the chairman and CEO. He continues, our travel partners have stood strong behind us for more than 50 years, and we are determined to be there for them now. We're going to get to the other side of this challenging time together. Details to come in January. So we don't really know much of, uh, I guess, what would be a qualified travel agent, or I'm sure there's a lot of uh, fine print and things like that, but hey, $40 million that's going out. Those are the broad strokes, and it's up to $250,000 per agent, and that's good. You know what I mean? That's good. Uh, Also, let's get into Celebrity Cruise Line. Now, this is an older story, but I just wanted to weigh in on it, and I wanted to talk about some of the you know uh, feedback that we've gotten from the cones regarding this. I put it out there. If you don't know Celebrity, after kind of teasing with the idea for a while, has uh, gone into an all-inclusive scenario. Uh, This is kind of, you know, an article compared this to airlines. You know, when this pandemic hit, a lot of the airlines stopped with the nickel and diming. They stopped playing games with their customers for upcharging for this and that. And it's kind of interesting because sometimes, you know, if you listen to the airlines, this is, you know, because we care about you. Everything is fill-in company name or state or area and then cares. And that's the charity. And yes, this could be looked at as a very, very humanitarian thing, but let's be honest, it's also probably probably about leverage as well. They know they're hurting, so they're going to try to motivate you to give you their business, to give them your business. Now, Celebrity will launch their always included deal. You saw this uh, probably all over the place or um I could tell you I saw it develop as a travel agent where it seemed like most of celebrity sailings started to offer more perks, drink packages, Wi-Fi. It started to have a little bit of a feel like a Norwegian, you know, free at sea type of scenario in like 2015 to 2017 where it was like, all right, if you're paying for drinks, if you're paying for a drink package on a Norwegian cruise, you're a sucker. Of course, Norwegian got smart. They introduced the sail away category, which enabled them to elevate their standard category, which enabled them to charge more money. And it wasn't as good of a deal as it originally was, but Celebrity is doing something similar, I guess. So Wi-Fi, gratuities, and the drink package are all now included. It's official. Every sailing includes them. Now for the details. There are always details, right? The Wi-Fi includes enough for your social media, the web browsing, and the email. But if you want to stream, you're going to have to upgrade. Now with the booze, it's going to include many of the decent call liquors, your Jack Daniels, your Absolute, your Tito's. But if you want that top shelf, like the uh, Patron, the tequilas and stuff like that, and the the fine tequilas, the Great Goose, uh, you're going to have to pay. Now, for that and the streaming together, it's just an extra 30 bucks a day. That's not that bad. Now, here's the issue. Some of the articles I've looked at are acting like this is just a beautiful, some sort of a new day, a new free, free, free day for, you know, out of the goodness of celebrities heart, paying back, paying it forward, whatever direction you want to pay it in because of the fact that, you know, this pandemic hit. Now we're just offering this for you. They don't mention that the price of each cruise seems to be significantly higher. So I put it out there and I wanted to ask everybody what they thought uh, in the always be both cruises it's cruise and travel uh lounge 
and uh, we had some pretty good feedback. Now, this one was from Aaron. Aaron said, yes, I was so happy when I heard they were doing this. Viking has been my preferred cruise line because they include Wi-Fi and at least one excursion at every port in the fare. I hate feeling nickel and dimed and having that final cost be so much more than the base fare. But even with Viking, you still end up having to buy a drink package unless you got one of their good promos where it's included too and always have to pay gratuities. I think this setup with gratuities, alcohol, and Wi-Fi is even better. I've only tried, I've only cruised Celebrity once, but it was a great experience. I'd say the food wasn't as fantastic, but still good though. The service was a tad less attentive, and they could work on some of their more exotic quotes, itineraries. Example, their Southeast Asia one seems to include more sea days than other lines. They lack any presence in the Southern African region and their Holy Land cruises aren't as comprehensive. Uh, All that said, given how much more affordable celebrity is compared to Viking or Oceana and how they're including these things in the fair now, I'll more likely than not end up on celebrity when it finally comes time to book again. That was from Aaron. And Aaron, I've been doing this for four years. <laughs> That's a pretty comprehensive uh, encapsulation of what, of, of what uh, celebrity is. And it also gives us a little bit of a rare look at cruise lines like Viking. And yes, so I guess w- if you're going to dissect what Aaron just said, clearly there's a difference between celebrity and Viking overall. Viking is borderline ultra lux i believe celebrity is premium yet still mass market but with this in effect a person like erin who prefers the higher class action would be so much more likely just because of simplicity if nothing else she'll be so much more likely to give celebrity a try now we have brad brad says tommy i would say i'd be happy uh with a max of six drinks included a day i don't want to be trashed every day of my cruise and it would take lots of self-control with a drink pack package that allows more than 12 okay so brad likes it but he thinks there should be a limit on the drinks because a he wants to be able to sell he he, he can't self-discipline and i respect that but um it would it would do it for him but it would still offer him something of good value Jody says, I love celebrity and think it's a great, I think it's great that they're doing that. I do, however, think you should be able to opt out and have a slightly cheaper fare for those that don't drink alcohol or want to replace it with a soft drink package. That's the problem. You don't hear anything from celebrity coming out there saying, well, we're up, we're upping the prices. So I think celebrity, while it's the worst kept secret in the country, in the world, but celebrity isn't necessarily going to go out there and advertise that they even raised the prices in the first place. But we know they have. So for that reason, that's why they're not going to want to take off. They're saying, hey, they're acting like their promo, their marketing is all acting like they just threw this in. And that's an issue. So we have Paul Ewing. Good old Paul says, I think it's a good thing for me. Now, if I didn't drink or not much, then I would probably be less happy about it. The question is, can you still get a Bear Cruise price from Celebrity? Holland America has been running a have-it-all sale for most of the year and just changed the name this month, but the features are all the same. You can still book a basic cruise rate, though it's not as good a deal, with roughly two to 300 a week less than the have-it-all, which is 
less than the drink package costs. Now, I have rebooked two casino cruises on Celebrity, and they are just basic cruises with no extras. But a seven-day cruise on the Norwegian to the Norwegian fjords in a veranda cabin for $127 mean I have no problem buying a drink package and internet and spreading lots of tips around. Uh, seven-day cruise on, of the Norwegian fjords in a veranda cabin for $127? Did we leave out a digit there, Paul? Or is that a nightly rate? Or what's the deal on that? Because, yes, I would be sp- spreading a lot of tips around for a $127 seven-day cruise to the Norwegian Fjords. That's pretty much it, guys, for this uh, part of the show. What we're going to do now, as usual, play a little bit of a Christmas uh, hymn, and we're going to get into your emails. Happy Gentlemen, your emails have become a lifeblood of the show. You can email me anytime, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. It really, really enhances the show when you guys come at me with some good questions, some good commentary, breaking my chops, all that stuff. We love it over here. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. Don't forget to check in with the Always Be Booked Cruise and Travel Lounge on Facebook. It is a group on Facebook. That's where we build this community. That's where we have most of our fun, our banter, our back and forth, our questions. We're helping each other. We're making fun of each other. It's just an enjoyable group. The Always Be Booked Cruise and Travel Lounge on Facebook. But let's start the emails. Here we go. Hey, Tommy, my name is Declan. I just wanted to say that I'm an avid fan of the podcast. I love the banter and the tangents. I just wanted to shed some light on the 737 MAX 8 you mentioned and Tanya mentioned that you would not fly on the MAX. I validate your opinion, but I would like to share my own. Similar to the cruise lines during COVID-19, the MAX has been scrutinized for a long time. Given that the MAX has been looked over by FAA and EASA and Boeing, this plane could possibly be the safest plane in the sky, just like cruisers will be the safest, cleanest vacation option when they resume. Keep up the great work. Sincerely, Declan. Declan, I'm with you. I respect it. I uh, probably would agree with you. They know it's all it's all about why they have to be so safe. The, any travel company out there, any company in general, any major corporation, if they are not treating safety as the number one priority, then they're just doing themselves an awful disservice. And yes, there were these problems with these airlines and these planes, and it does seem that they have it sorted out. I could tell you. There's nothing that Boeing or any airline that chooses to use this type of equipment can afford less than this thing going down again. So you would have to say that 
every precaution, every test, every uh, the the maximum amount of, amount of scrutiny has to be taken in order for this thing to, to 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 take off and to be put back into service, or else they just wouldn't do it. Safety number one priority. And uh, yes, I agree with you, Declan. I just am not a big fan of going five miles into the sky since I was not born with wings. And if you want to go into a backstory on one of the Patreons, you will find that I had a very, very interesting flight one day. And uh, yes, I was convinced I was. Me and the 18 other passengers on the Beechcraft were going to be, we're going to fall out of the sky due to massive, massive turbulence through black skies and a lightning storm. So I uh, did not have a good experience there. And uh, I love cruise ships. I love trains. So I'm part of that community community of people who really, really has no interest in flying. But Declan, I do appreciate the email. And uh, it does make sense. It does make sense. All right, Tommy, you asked for staycation feedback. So here's mine. Uh-oh, here we go. Let's see what this is all about. Um, overall, I really liked it. I thought Tanya was great as a host, a natural podcaster. Oh, Tanya, called you a natural podcaster, in my humble opinion. Take it or leave it as you will. I'll take it. I think she'll take it too. I think Tanya's good too. I agree with you. Tanya, we, we did a podcast, like I said, six, seven years ago called TNT. And it was like talking shit with Tommy and Tanya. And it was natural from the beginning. You know, not, Tanya, some people just have a very conversational vibe about them. Some people are just naturals. Some people are just, they find the world interesting and they are interesting. And I think that's what Tanya is. And that's why I had zero doubt that she would be a good guest host or co-host on the show. Now, again, the only problem is, is the content, you know. She's not so into cruising. She's not an expert in cruising. But if you're going to bring someone like that in who is interesting in general, but maybe not the biggest cruise enthusiast, maybe the time is when you can't cruise. Uh, I think it should be separate from the ABB and I have its own distinct identity. And though I love rants and the free to, uh, the freeform podcasting, the thing I Thing I do think the episode should start out with some discussion that gives the theme a nod, maybe not always, but more often than not. Talk about some crazy restaurant, hotel, tourist attraction, or anything that might be relevant to staycationing, and then go off the rails from there. You wanted feedback, that's mine. Keep up the good work. And that email was from Tim. Tim, I do appreciate that, especially from you. I know Tim is a loyal listener, and he keeps it real and gives his honest opinions on that, and I don't disagree with that. I do agree with the whole staycation thing. Maybe put some sort of travel, whether it's a weekend getaway or whether it's just kind of like bars, just some sort of entertainment and lifestyle situation. Let that be the guiding, I guess, uh, North Star of the show. And then maybe, yes, we will go off the rails. We will do tangents, but have it kind of based around an initial thing. And that's been the goal. That's what we've been trying to do as of late. And um, I I agree with you, Tim. I am 100% on the same page with you, and we will continue to try to do that. All right, Tommy, I listened to the first staycation episode for about 30 minutes, and it was, dare I say, lame-ish. I was going to delete the rest, but finished listening to it a few days later. Letting the new concept age a few days really helped. 
Plus, the rest of the show was less choppy and had more of a natural feel to it. All right, I'm going to interrupt this because I'll forget. I'll forget. Well, there's a long email, so it is what it is. Now, I agree, and we don't know who wrote this yet because we didn't get to the bottom, but I do agree with the whole you might consider it lamish because let's be honest. The thing, and here's the secret here, and you probably know already, but the thing that keeps people listening to people, the reason why I listen to certain people, a lot of the reason you listen to me is one word. It's familiarity, okay? You become familiar with someone. How often have you tried a radio show or a podcast that you couldn't stand in the beginning? It didn't. But then you give it four or five episodes and it kind of gets you. You know, you realize, oh, this person isn't so bad or I just had to get used to this thing about them. And that's what I think a lot of it is. Like with the lame-ish, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But when you say you didn't like it in the beginning because maybe it was a little bit lame, it's because you did. there was a new voice that was introduced, and you weren't ready for that at that point. You weren't ready for the new voice. Maybe that was it. Maybe it's not. But let's let's move on here. So staycation is its own acquired taste. There you go. And I'd say that I've now acquired that taste, especially when Tanya tells her interesting stories about the Bronx. So on balance, I really enjoyed the episode and after all and after all and looking forward to the next one. So for staycation is miles ahead of three most notorious Um, So far, Staycation is miles ahead of the three most notoriously horrible ABB shows ever. These shameful shows are in order of least worst to most worst as follows. Okay, so this guy is going to break down my worst moments as a podcaster, the worst shows he's ever heard. And I got to respect that too. I have zero issues with this whatsoever. Uh, You know, what's the opposite of love? Some people think it's hate. It's not hate. It's apathy. It's not giving a frig in either direction. If you hate something, you it it it, it emotes emotes it invokes some emotion, right? So this guy doesn't hate me. He probably loves the show, and the fact that he could pick out his three most hated episodes in order means that he's dialed in. So I like this. Third worst show ever. The one where you just played music for like two hours. No dialogue, just DJ. Some of the country stuff was okay, but mostly the tunes were not to my liking. This show was not the finest moment in the ABB archives. (laughs) Well, some of them are bonuses. I think I put up that one that was my mixtape. My one uh, take of doing like a whole country mix down tape as a DJ. And I put it out there and I just was like, yo, here's a... uh, you know, I, I think I put the interview I had with the famous Kelly Ford. Yes, you guys know who Kelly Ford is? She's famous. And she interviewed me, okay? I'll have you know, dare I say, if you're so inclined. Uh, yeah, Kelly Ford. And I was friends with her for a while. She used to do the uh, remote. She used to host the party from uh, our location, Johnny Utah's in New York City. And she was awesome. She was a great lady, really cool. Uh, every once in a while. We'll exchange a text, but yeah, um, she interviewed me on that one. That was just kind of like a bonus thing to kind of give you guys a little bit of a insight. I would not, and I respect it. I respect your opinion, sir, but I would not consider that to be like an actual always be booked episode. Let's move on though. What else you got? Second worst show ever. That show recently where the audio was so terrible that no sane person could listen to it. You did warn us, but that warning in no way gets this show out of the basement in the rankings as the second worst show ever. The audio was so crappy, I couldn't hang in there any longer than about five minutes. Respect. Respect to that. I cannot blame you. There's no, I'll, I'll turn it off, too. I would have turned it off. If you didn't turn it off, I would have um, 
I, I would I would have I would have blamed you for not turning it off. Now tell me which show was it? Because then there've been a couple of those. If you could tell me which show that was, I know a couple of Patreons with disasters. Was this a Patreon? Are you talking about the Patreons? I'm not sure. Let me know which one. Which bad audio show were you talking about? Maybe you don't even know because you didn't get 30 seconds into it. But we'll see. The absolute worst ABB show ever recorded. Let's get a drum roll here. (laughs) The one a few years back where you were totally smashed and had those lame comedians on the podcast who were also trashed. It was a drunken stupor from start to finish with the worst, lamest jokes ever. You really stunk up the place with that one. So why don't you say what you really feel? Was it a husband and wife team? I can't remember. I've tried to forget. Oh, the pain. No repeats, please. Now the best shows I've ever heard to come out of your microphone. Okay, so I like this guy. We mix it up. I remember that one. That was Harold and Darlene. That's not for everybody. That's like some deep level improv nerdy comedy stuff. And yes, you have to really, really be a big kind of like improv nerd comedy fan to appreciate that. The, the, the casual comedy fan is not going to like that one. I took a shot at that one. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I got you. I understand. Sorry. I apologize. All right. So um, the best ones. We ended off on a good note. We end our Christmas episode with some positivity, some much needed positivity, dare I say. Number one, that show with the bookie friend of yours. You know, the gambler who got crushed by the big fish from Chicago or something. The guy who likes to put bookie at a, bookies at a business. That show, bar none, was the absolute best ever. I will never forget that guy or his stories. So, I mean, that's one of my best friends. I talk to him multiple times a week. He will absolutely come back on the show. The thing is, I, th- I don't know how many people thought that way. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. It was a Patreon episode that I made live to everybody and it was my friend who was a bookie and he came on the show and um you know he told a couple of stories i didn't get a huge response from that i know some people absolutely loved it same thing with the swingers cruise when i had the guy my friend my good friend who went on the swingers cruise some people absolutely loved it some people could take it or leave it it's an issue i i I pride myself on knowing you guys and taking a good pretty good pulse of what the audience wants sometimes it's very very hard to do Let's see. And number two, wait a minute. Why is there only number two good ones? Well, you couldn't do three good ones. You did three bad ones. You couldn't do three good ones. <laughs> number two, the show from Sunday when John, your bar. Okay, so we are talking about Patreons here. Some of these are Patreons. Uh, the show from Sunday with John, your bartender buddy. I think you are onto something with that guy. He should make regular appearances on your show like every Friday or something. Absolutely great, entertaining stories told with that perfect New Yorker accent. By the way, Tommy, I can tell you are back on the island and out of Florida. Your accent is getting thicker. That's okay. Reminds me of my days in Oneonta. Hey, did you go to school at Brockport for your gym degree? No, I didn't finish school for the gym degree. I went for two years of Nassau Community College, and I didn't, you know. Uh, Brockport was interesting to me. I remember Brockport. I otherwise would not have any association with Brockport other than the fact that I felt like I could start on their football team. There was not a lot of colleges out there whose football teams I felt like I could start on. You know what I mean? I had a small school. I was a big fish in a little pond when it came to that, but I was a little, you know, CW Post, Hofstra. These were kind of big time Division Two, Division One, AA schools, and uh, they were local. And, you know, they were close and they were attainable, but 
Brockport upstate was a flat out division three school and i think i could have came on and had an impact on that team now i'm not sure if that was the case or not but that was the one reason brockport and I, and it was fairly easy to get into it looked like too i was not interested as a student i just was disinterested now when i went to nasa i went to college i had a straight 3.0 the whole time I, I, I bunk i hunkered down and focused a little bit but in high school there was just too much fun to be had for me to even lift lift a finger in the direction of a book I really, I really couldn't, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. By the way, that was Bob Allen. Bob, he says, take care, my friend. Bob, thank you so much. Happy holidays. Oh man, this was a fun show. I really, really appreciate you guys listening. Let's just recap. We have a Patreon, dot com slash always be booked $5 a month for an extra show every day. Join us on Instagram. I got to pump this Instagram up a little bit. Always be booked on Instagram. We have a lot of fun there. Some cool pictures. Obviously, that's what Instagram is for. Pictures, videos, things like that. We interact a little bit there. The main area where we interact is the Always Be Booked Cruise and Travel Lounge on Facebook. We have tons of fun in there. Please join that if you have not. The biggest way, guys, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest possible way you could help this show is to share it with a friend who you think might enjoy it. That's it. Yeah, you got to sell them a little bit. Yeah, you got to tell them, don't just go off to one episode. Give it two or three episodes. It is an acquired taste as we know. Uh, But other than that, everybody, uh, I'm I'm sure everybody's wishing Tanya a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, all that stuff. Uh, All you guys from me to everybody involved with this show let's shout out there's too many people to name so i'm not going to start going through names but i love all you guys appreciate you guys thank you so much for rolling with whether it's a move from state to state whether it's a change in concept whether i'm changing the name of the lounge to the ultra lounge to the food or whatever we're doing over here you guys are so welcome and it's just really really heartwarming to have you guys a part of whatever goes on in this little entity that we call always be booked boat drinks cones we got some mistletoe hung from the bow of the boat stockings are filled with sunshine rays it's christmas and blue chair bay there's lights up in every pond my soul like the sea is calm Tonight we're going to the boat parade It's Christmas in Blue Chair Bay Everybody raise a glass with me right now To all of those up in the snow From all of us down south Tis the season for believing Faith and family Wish you were here with me We've cleared out a place in the sand For Dancer and Prancer to land We saved a boat slip for Santa's sleigh It's Christmas in Blue Chair Bay Everybody Raise a glass with me right now To all of those up in the snow From all of us down south Tis the season for believing And faith
faith and family Wish you were here with me About to see a little nut From drinking rum Christmas from Blue Chair Bay La 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 Lots of love, happy holidays to you From Blue Chair Bay Merry Christmas from Blue Chair Bay This is the place for me Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You could worry, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves Jimmy Good island somewhere Well, all right, the boats And don't grab your coat You won't need it where we are going Get away 
So where the police from? It takes away all of your big problems You got worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the police from Pick me up Pick me up Pick me up Put me down Down in the sand where it's cool Put me down And when I fall on my stool Put me down I'll just leave there till morning comes down Sunshine ten ladies and pina coladas And Bob Marley songs that I'm playing There's a song in my ear that I want you to hear Soft tropical lips that are singing Get away to where the police from It takes away all of your big problems You got worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the police from So get away to where the police from It takes away all of your big problems You got worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the So get away to where the police from It takes away all of your big problems You got worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the police from